0: Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a Primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we share time on the program with Elder Joe Nettles from Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church. In both Macedonia and Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, we meet for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., and we'd love to have you come out and worship with us if you're in the North Mississippi area. Also, we have a meeting on Wednesday nights in Startville, Mississippi, and we use the New Covenant Church facility at 200 west garrett road in startville mississippi so come out and worship with us if you're not in this area go to our website gospel-of-grace.com and you can find a church that may be closer to you and we would heartily invite you to a primitive baptist church if you enjoy the things that you hear on the program and also if you enjoy the program and are a regular listener or even a first time please email us contact us we'd love to help you in any way answer any questions, and just correspond with you and know that you're out there. We are thankful for you tuning in with us today. On the program this morning, we would like to consider a series on Jesus Christ in the law. We look at the Old Testament Mosaic law based on Jesus' statement in the New Testament to search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. So we see the testimony of Jesus Christ all throughout the Old Testament, but especially all throughout the Mosaic law and we would like to consider that together here on the program. We hope you can stay tuned and we'll play this message for you right after the song. Uh to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you today. And this morning we'd like to, Lord willing, begin a series looking at Jesus Christ in the law. Jesus Christ in the Mosaic law. And to introduce these points, we'd like to go to John chapter 5 and in verse 39. And when we pick this up here in John chapter 5, it's important to remember that this is in the context of some legalistic Pharisees who thought that they extolled the law, that they were condemning Jesus for healing on the Sabbath day. So they thought that they were being very holy and righteous and being legalistic on the Sabbath day. And he goes on and tells them a lot of very important doctrinal points and other points in John chapter five. But in the middle of that same discourse, he makes his way in John chapter five and verse 39, again, remembering where these Pharisees were being extremely legalistic of the Sabbath. So then he tells them in verse 39, search the scriptures, For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Search the scriptures. In them, you Pharisees, you think that you live a good enough life to go to heaven. You think you have eternal life, but actually, the law was given for the exact opposite purpose that we'll see this morning. The law was given so that we can understand how radically insufficient we are to gain eternal life by anything that we do. That we are insufficient to earn eternal life by any work. Instead, salvation has to be by grace when we see the gravity of the law and how difficult it is to keep that law that it would make us run to the cross and run to grace. So search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. So the Old Testament scriptures were pointing toward Jesus Christ. We're pointing toward the Messiah. And when Jesus says this, understand the full canon of scripture that we have today, the full 66 books of the Bible, they did not have the New Testament gospels at that time they didn't have any of the books of the new testament now it's certainly true that the prophets We're testifying of Jesus. We see many messianic prophecies in many of the major and the minor prophets, and those are great things to study. But I think, particularly in context, when Jesus says, search the scriptures, he's primarily not speaking of messianic prophecies in the prophets, because I don't think that the Pharisees thought that they had eternal life from the minor prophets. No, they thought they earned eternal life from the law, right? They thought that they earned eternal life from the obedience of what we would consider the first five books of the Bible that the Jews would call the Pentateuch, the first five books, which is Genesis, but as we know, Genesis is primarily historical. So primarily the four books of the law being Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So these Pharisees literally thought that from their obedience of those four primary books of the law, that they could live a good enough life to go to heaven. And he said, listen, the purpose of the law is to show you that you can't live a good enough life. And they are pointing toward me. They're pointing toward the Messiah. They're pointing toward the remedy. There had to be a remedy, right? A remedy for our failure of obedience to the law. And what was that remedy? It was Christ. So when he says, search the scriptures, he's saying, search the law. For in the law, you think you have eternal life, but the law Testifies of me. And I think that we'll see if the Lord blesses our time together, we will just see Jesus Christ jumping out of the pages in the law. All of the law was pointing toward the work of Jesus Christ. And there are so many aspects in which that is brought out from the scriptures. And I hope the Lord will bless you to see those beautiful pictures as clearly as I've been blessed to see some of them. So search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life the law and the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, they testify of Jesus. And let's not forget that really the whole Bible testifies of Jesus, right? Jesus is the word. He's the capital W word, the living word, but the written word and the preached word testify of the living word, right? So the totality of the scriptures are all pointing toward Jesus Christ. And if we're not looking toward Jesus Christ and looking for Christ on every page of the Bible, then we're missing the point. We're missing the point of it. And that especially needs to be true in the law cuz it's evident that those Old Testament books of the law can get pretty tedious. The old joke with a one year Bible reading plan is you get started out good and you begin in Genesis and then you exit in Exodus and then you leave in Leviticus. And I'll readily admit. Some of those Old Testament laws get fairly tedious, but you view them much differently when you look for Jesus on every page of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When we're looking for Jesus on those pages, I believe that the the Messiah will just jump off of the page. And we certainly hope that we can see that together. But before we make our way to the specifics of that, before we make our way to the specifics of the law and many of those things that are pointing toward Jesus Christ, we want to focus this morning on just the purpose of the law. Why did God give the law? And as man always does, he takes something that was good and wholesome and he manipulates it to himself and corrupts it. So God gave the law for a specific purpose. And obviously the purpose of the law was never for men to think that they could live a good enough life to go to heaven. Obviously, the purpose of the law was to show the gravity of it that no man can obey this. No man in and of himself with a fallen, sinful, corrupt nature can obey this. It would take the God-man, right? It would take God manifest in the flesh, to be able to obey this perfectly. And that's what eventually what had to happen, that Christ came to fulfill the law for us because the law was given so that we could understand that we cannot meet up to God's holy, righteous standard. So first of all, let's go to James chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. If ye have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Some of the more headline sins in the law, or the Ten Commandments, and murder and stealing and all that. But he actually says here in the book of James, he says, even if you're showing partiality, if you're showing hypocrisy of preferring, here in the context, rich people over poor people, if you do that, you're committing sin. If you have respective persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. And convinced means convicted. Verse 10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now, if I commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So, what that means is that. If you are guilty of the law, you're guilty of the whole. And we even understand that in our American judicial system. If someone commits murder, if they commit a homicide and they are charged with murder one, capital murder, which is the possibility of capital punishment. No one stands up and said, well, I admit that I murdered somebody, but I don't believe that I should have to pay the penalty for murder because actually I didn't break any other laws right? I didn't steal. I didn't commit a assault. I didn't embezzle. I didn't commit all of these other transgressions of the state law. Well, obviously your defense for why you should go free is not that I've obeyed 99 laws, but I admit I broke one. Well, no, if you broke one, you're guilty of the penalty of that one, but that's how it is in our American judicial system. Obviously, if you're guilty of breaking one law, then you pay the penalty for that one law. But God's law is so much greater than just the American judicial system, right? In God's law, if you break one law, you are guilty of everything, and what is the law? It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. If you disobey my commandment, the penalty is death, right? The penalty is death, and sometimes we miss the gravity of that that truly God is so righteous and God is so holy that one offense of his holy law is enough to send us to hell for all of eternity. And sometimes we lose sight of the gravity of that, the gravity of God's holiness, that God is righteous to say, if you offend my law in one point, that one sin, and we certainly don't have time to look at all these side points this morning, but think about all the, what we would consider to be trivial things that the Bible says is sin. It says that the thought of foolishness is sin. It says that stubbornness and rebellion is sin. Covetousness, you just looking at something and saying, man, I really wish I had that. Those inward thoughts are sin. And to think that the thought of foolishness that the Bible calls sin, to think that the thought of foolishness is enough for me to burn in eternity in the lake of fire forever. That almost sounds a little unreasonable, but that's just how holy God is. Do you understand? That's just how holy God is. So he says, you have to obey the whole law. There were some people in Galatians that were saying that you had to be circumcised to go to heaven. So you had to do at least one work. And then some people took it even further and said you had to obey the whole law. But essentially what they were saying is you have to do one thing to go to heaven. You have to perform one work to be admitted into heaven. And that in this context, that one work was circumcision. And then Paul says, look, Galatians, foolish Galatians, you've missed the boat. You've missed the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is not so you can cherry pick one thing you think you do well and say, if I obey that, then God's going to let me into heaven. <laughs> no, if you think that, you've missed the whole boat, okay? He says in Galatians chapter 5, beginning verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So you foolish Galatians that think that you can do one action and God's going to let you into heaven? No, being circumcised is not good enough. You have to obey the whole law. And when you see the gravity of that, when you see especially how detailed the Old Testament mosaic law is, it is evident that none of us are going to be able to meet up to God's righteous holy standard, right? I mean, think about how strictly even... God took the Sabbath back in the Old Testament. There was a man that was killed for picking up sticks on the Sabbath. Now, again, from our perspective as earthly creatures and and God's ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But from our perspective, it's almost like, Lord, calm down. You're killing people for picking up sticks on the Sabbath? I mean, that's a little unreasonable. But that's just how seriously God takes his law because he is holy and he cannot look on iniquity. He cannot stand in his presence for wickedness and iniquity to be before him at all. So therefore, our only hope is the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, that he came to obey the law perfectly on our behalf. And now that perfect obedience is imputed to our account. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the purpose of the law. That's what we want to set the baseline for this morning. The purpose of the law is not so you to look, not for you to look at the law and say, you know what? I think I can measure up. I think I can do something good enough because you can't. Actually, the purpose of the law is to show you how wretched you are in your nature. The purpose of the law is to show you you have no hope in and of yourself. You have no hope in any work that you could perform. And the purpose of the law really is to drive us to grace, to drive us to Jesus Christ. I've had the song Hell Sovereign Love on my mind a lot recently, and it describes their Hell Sovereign Love that first began the scheme to rescue fallen man, and then it figuratively depicts the writer resisting the overtures of God, and I believe that's figurative language because certainly no one has the ability to reject the new birth. But then he says, finally I was born again, and almighty love, arrest that man, I was born again. But it's interesting there in that song, It says, the first place I went to, so now I've been born again and I have a conviction of sin. What hope do I have? I'm looking for a hiding place. I'm looking for a protection. And he says, what hope do I have? And the first place that he went to was to Sinai's fiery mount I flew. And he goes on to say there, and justice cried with frowning face. This mountain is no hiding place. And see, that's the purpose of the law, isn't it? It's to show us that if our works are what is necessary to go to heaven, then Sinai's decree, the law's decree, is always going to be you have no protection. You have no hiding place. The Mount of Sinai delivers condemnation and fear, but Mount Zion delivers joy. It's the joy of the whole earth. So when we run to Sinai, when we run to Sinai's fiery mount I flew, what are we going to find? Justice is going to condemn us, right? Because... We can't be good enough. We can't be good enough. So here in Romans chapter three, the apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit is quoting all these Old Testament passages that so succinctly describe the depravity of man. There's none righteous, no, not one. This is the standard of God's holiness and nobody meets it. There's none righteous. And just in case you think there's one exception to that, and I love my grandmother. You probably love your grandmother too. And you would say, oh, no, no, but you haven't met my grandmother. She is righteous. She is good. She is holy. Just in case you think there's an exception to that, there is none righteous. Is there any exceptions? No, not one. There's none righteous, no not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together becoming profitable. There is none that doeth good. Is there any exception to that? There's none that doeth good. No not one. So, we all fail in being a debtor to do the whole law. We all fail. Of God's holy righteous standard. So what's the purpose of the law? Verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to him that are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. The reason why God manifested his law in such great detail that he did in the Mosaic law is so that we would understand just how far short we fall. Now, we obviously know that God's law was still in effect from Adam to Moses, right? He gave us the full expression of the law on Mount Sinai with Moses, but we know that the law was in effect because people were dying, right? Men died and the breaking of the law, the penalty for that is death. So he manifested that law. He gave us such a detailed expression of God's holy righteous standard so we could look at that. And just in case you think you have any confidence in and of yourself that your mouth may be stopped, When I see that language, I always think about Job, and Job was condemned by his three miserable comforters, and they said some things about him that weren't true, and in the beginning stages, he was handling it appropriately, and he was defending himself, but then he just got riled up there toward the end, and he started saying some things that were well beyond his scope of authority. He started saying some things he shouldn't have said, Elihu came and rebuked him, and then the Lord comes in a whirlwind and rebukes him. And I always think about Job's response after the Lord, for all practical purposes, has been chewing him out for two chapters. And he said, look, Job, where were you at when I created this earth? Where were you when I created this world out of nothing? Who do you think you are? And I love how the Lord chews Job out for about two chapters and then Job says, I should have kept my mouth shut. I apologize, Lord, I, I, please forgive me. And he says, I cover my mouth. Job says, it was manifested to me the power and the glory of God, and my response to the power and the glory of God and the holiness of God was not to say, well, you know what, God? I'm glad you came to talk to me. I have lived a good enough life. I have done some work that's going to allow me into heaven. I'm glad you came to talk to me out of the whirlwind. I can't wait till you admit me into heaven for how much good I've done. (laughs) You know, that's not what Job said, did he? (laughs) That's not what Job said. Job said, I cover my mouth. I'm going to be quiet because I spoke out of turn. That all the world, that their mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. The reason why God manifested his law in such detail in the way that he did, was so that we can look at the law and reach the conclusion that is given to us in the next verse. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So, we look at the law, we see how far short we fall of obedience to the law. And God gave us that so we would look at it and say, wow, I have no hope of my own works. I have no hope in and of myself. Verse 23, the summary of this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But what hope do we have? What hope do we have? Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The only hope that we have is not our obedience to the law, right? No, our law but makes us guilty. We're condemned in the law. But Christ came to give us grace that we don't deserve, to redeem us by the law. And one very important point as we consider the salvation of sinners is the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because we are guilty before God, but God is perfect and holy. How is it that sinners that in this world have sinned against him, how could we be admitted presence into the throne room of Almighty God? Well, it is because Christ came and perfectly fulfilled the law and all of his righteousness is imputed to our account. Matthew chapter five and verse 17 Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Christ came to fulfill the law. And as we look at the life of Christ, he was tested throughout his life. He was especially tested. And tried on those last four mock trials that he endured right before his crucifixion. And in the middle of all and in the middle of all that, he was proven to be the sinless, perfect Lamb of God that was an appropriate sacrifice for the sins of the people on that spiritual day of atonement to go into the holiest of holies, and we'll dig into all that later on. Beautiful, beautiful picture. But listen, Christ was obedient. To God in every point of the law, he was proven to be tested to be a lamb without blemish and he fulfilled the law perfectly on our behalf. We broke the law, but Christ obeyed the law perfectly on our behalf and now his righteousness is perfectly imputed unto us. Find in Galatians chapter four, what's one of the reasons why Christ had to be born in the way that he was? He had to be born as a man because we find here in Galatians four and verse four, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Now why did Christ have to be made under the commands of a law? Why did he have to be made under the law? to redeem them that were under the law. That's why an angel couldn't come save us, right? God had to become a man. Christ had to become a man who was bound by God's law, and then he perfectly obeyed that law, and now his perfect obedience is imputed to our account. That's the reason that we can have a hope of heaven. The purpose of the law is never for us to look at ourselves and say, yes, I've lived a good enough life. No, the purpose of the law is to say that I'm a totally depraved, wretched sinner and there's nothing good in and of myself. And it should bring you to the end of yourself, bring you to the end of your hope so that you fall at the foot of the cross and say, my only hope of heaven, my only hope of eternal life has to be in the sovereign grace of the beloved Lamb of God that died for our sins and perfectly fulfilled the law. It has to be Christ because we, can't, because we can't live good enough to obey the law to go to heaven. Christ had to die for our sins. The law tells us we're sinful, but grace tells us that we've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. We certainly hope that the Spirit of God will bless our consideration of this. So many beautiful pictures of Jesus Christ in the law, in the Mosaic law. And I love that the Lord presented it in such a way so we can glean these beautiful pictures to understand more about the work of Christ on our behalf. And we certainly pray the Lord will bless our continued consideration of that in the days and the months to come. May God bless you this morning.
0: If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under Podcasts with the title The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist Radio Broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 And tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.